Welcome to The Press Office with Kate and Co-PR, the podcast that gives you an exclusive and unfiltered look behind the scenes of the Australian media landscape and public relations industry. I'm your host, Marissa Jane, a publicist here at Kate & Co PR. And if you are dreaming of a career in public relations, are an aspiring journalist, or simply just obsessed with all things digital and traditional media, then this is the podcast for you. Today on The Press Office with Kate & Co PR, I am chatting to Melbourne-based talent manager and founder and director of Day Management, Genevieve Day. Jen has been in the talent and influencer managing business since 2015, so she really has a lot to share on how to find the perfect spokesperson for your brand, how to best integrate influencers into a marketing campaign, and how PRs can work with talent managers in a seamless and effective way. Jen is also a passionate member of AIMCO, which is the Australian Influencer Marketing Council, and they really do have some great resources around the best practices and legal requirements when it comes to influencer marketing. I have included a link to their code of practice and also their guide to gifting and ad disclosure in the show notes, which is definitely worth a read by anyone in the PR or influencer industry. Now, let's get on to the interview. Hello, Jen, and welcome to the Press Office with Kate and Co PR. It is lovely to catch up with you as per usual. Now, for all those listening who don't know who you are, do you mind quickly introducing yourself? Absolutely. And thanks for having me on. I've been so looking forward to this chat today. So my name is Genevieve Day and I run talent agency Day Management. So we look after influencers, media personalities, podcasters, basically anyone who's influential in 2021. And we serve as that interface between talent and brands to bring campaigns to life. What drew you into the world of talent management as a career initially? Well, I actually started on your side of things. So I began my career in PR many, I think over a decade ago now, but I worked in PR and kind of saw the birth of the influencer. And that was a really cool time because we got to see traditional bloggers who, you know, held so much power and the shift in the media landscape. So kind of saw this, yeah, transition happening and a real opportunity to be a part of that and fill a gap in the market. So I transitioned from my PR role to starting my own agency in 2015 and yeah, jumped talent side, which is great because I get to work alongside amazing PRs like yourself and my old contacts and everything, but sitting in a whole brand new space and yeah, kind of riding that wave of talent and influences and beyond. You really were one of those first influencer agencies per se to really come about and I guess from your end, what types of talent do you work with and has that evolved over time? Yeah, absolutely. It's, I actually, I was clearing out my Google Drive recently and I found all these old talent decks from day management of like 2015, 2016 talent decks and that evolution has been crazy because originally we just worked with fashion influencers because that was kind of the space in 2015 as well. So we worked with fashion talent who would shoot in front of a white fence in monochrome or do a flat lay and that was you know what the consumer was after back then and then there really has been an evolution of talent and what consumers want to engage with these days so I think it's really been 
looking away from talent who have a curated perfect feed instead people want real messy lives like they want the raw unfiltered content they want opinions they want a good background story and an angle as to why they should follow you so that's really seen transition in our talent offering from just being gorgeous fashion girls to media personalities people that have an awesome story and yeah, really open it up for us to work with people like First Nations artists, to podcast hosts, to people like Flex Mommy who wears a million hats at once. And definitely I'm keen to see what that evolution is going to be next. You do really work with like a, a wide range of talent. And I agree with you there around five years ago, our Instagram feeds were so curated. And I find myself even unfollowing people that really don't offer any substance or there's kind of no depth behind their story. In terms of talent, do you find that right now they're looking for, I guess, more longer term partnerships and really trying to add more strings to their bow per se? Yeah, I think what we've really seen again in that evolution is moving away from just, you know, a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, post story and you're done with that brand because it's not really believable that one person is using 17 shampoos and it's not really believable that person is wearing 17, you know, moisturizers or foundation shades. I think as consumers, we really marry to certain brands. And so that's been really cool to see now this, you know, longer term ambassadorship that is rooted in authenticity. So we've definitely been seeing more of that coming through, especially in those spaces that are really crowded. So you'd get married to your hair care brand, your vitamin brand, your makeup brand. And it makes it easier for us because it means if we're contracted to L'Oreal and Rimmel comes knocking on our door, we know what to tell them. But that being said, I think there's still definitely space for, you know, ad hoc campaigns with content creation being the objective. And, you know, even beyond that, we try and say here, you know, our mantra is more than an Instagram post. So looking for doing, you know, design collaborations where, you know, Rachel Sarah does the packaging of a product or, you know, working with PayPal to get a bespoke podcast hosted by Sarah Davidson and things that we can offer brands that is influencer marketing, but not just a post and a story set. I love that and how you have commented on how, I guess, campaigns have changed, but also from the PR side, I have noticed that clients now want these longer term ambassadors as well. And if we are looking for talent, even for a smaller campaign, we do need to make sure they haven't been working with competitors in recent months. Like we really need that clear space in terms of messaging. Mm, Absolutely. And it all kind of goes back to the follower because they're smarter than people give it credit for sometimes. And they catch on and they're watching you and they know what's authentic and what someone's just thrown money for a post that they don't really believe in. And I think you don't want to be insulting to the audience because that's why that person has a platform. So by doing, yeah, one shampoo one week and another shampoo the next week, they're like, hang on, we know that's not true what you're saying. So yeah, I think ensuring that everything is really rooted in that authenticity, it just makes it easier from the brand, you get more results, it's better for the talent and it's much better for you and I in the middle. Definitely, it definitely is there. And what tips of advice would you offer to PRs and brands who are looking for a talent for a certain campaign? What are the steps to find the perfect talent? 
Yeah, that's a great question. I think, I mean, in an ideal world, they would have eyes and ears everywhere. We love when a brand or an agency has been watching the talent and following along. And so that way they kind of already know what they're passionate about and they already know those nitty gritty details. But the next step is kind of involving the talent managers and having those conversations and those brainstorms because we know so much about our talent, probably too much. There's no boundaries there, but we can, you know, tell you guys this person doesn't drink alcohol this person doesn't drink coffee or this person has a cat that's 15 years old and this person wears glasses and it's all that crazy information that makes a campaign authentic and relevant and gives that story hook as well so yeah ideally the PRs and the brands are watching for that perfect fit or having those wider conversations where we can tell you about why they're such a good fit. And I guess with a circumstance like that, would you be open to a PR calling you saying, we've got this client, we are looking for a really specific ambassador, say, who has worn glasses since they were a child? Is that a conversation you're open to having? Oh, absolutely. I think they're my favourite type of conversations because it also means that we get to get in there from the ground level. Like we're involved in that campaign discussion from day dot. So my inbox is full of special questions like that of, hey, we need to know who's based in Byron Bay and has three dogs or we need to know who doesn't drink normal milk and wants soy milk you know all those really fun questions are definitely invited we always love those kind of stuff that we can make it really tailored because we might even be able to go one further and say you know Tully Smart doesn't drink coffee but she actually loves coke so you know a coca-cola campaign would be perfect for her and kind of make those bespoke recommendations so definitely phone calls emails in that campaign planning stage are the best. I agree. You And you always pick up on these little tidbits that you would never find online or via your own research. So I always say go straight to the manager. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, we have a big talent deck here at Day Management where we try and keep all those nitty gritty files on hand. So we do know who wears prescription glasses and yeah, who doesn't drink alcohol or who doesn't want to work with fast fashion brands. And there's, you know, so many different parameters now. So we try and collate it all for you guys, but a conversation's always the easiest way. Since you have been in this talent industry since 2015, you are someone who is quite vocal about the importance of influencers within a marketing strategy. Do you mind elaborating why you think this is? Yeah, absolutely. I think especially getting to witness that transition from traditional media to digital media, it's been amazing to see the results that that can give a client. And I think it has to be part of an integrated campaign and it serves you know, a purpose alongside a PR strategy and a media strategy as well. But it's such a cost-effective way to get results. And depending on the campaign, those results can be content creation, brand awareness, for sales. So I think people were really surprised initially back in that 2015 era that these people had such power and persuasive power over consumers. So yeah, I've definitely been championing involving them from the levels of ambassador, content creator, and even you know recently in the news seeing the creative director roles in the UK and the US going to influencers. It's really showing that they are the tastemakers, they're the new celebrities. So I think integrating them in a campaign is pivotal to success. You mentioned that there is different metrics of success. There's awareness, there's direct brand sales. Can you have multiple levels of ROI from engaging a 
influencer and what do you see as being best case scenario that a brand could get in using an influencer campaign? Yeah, absolutely. I think we try and really nail down the objective from the briefing stage because it affects how we create the content as to what they're hoping for. So if it is for a launch of a new product that people just want to have brand awareness, this product exists, you know, it would be shot in a different way to a specific review of a product promoting sales or something with a call to action with a discount code, for example. So I think that being really precise and clear in the objectives at the start of a collaboration is really crucial. And yeah, that can even help us formulate a plan together. So if, you know, a brand's looking for follower numbers on their Instagram, page we might do a giveaway and that could be the you know how you enter is to follow the brand and the talent if they're looking for a specific ROI sales base we'd recommend certain talent that have a better you know sales push through result there so I think in an ideal world we're selling all the products off the shelf but as you and I know you know the ad statistic that I love the most is a consumer has to see something seven times before they make a purchase So sometimes an influencer's post is number one, sometimes it's gonna be number seven. So it's always part of that strategy, but yeah, really nailing down the objective, I think is key. I love that. And do you have any campaigns that come to mind when you think of a successful campaign and what that looks like? Yeah, I mean, in terms of a successful campaign, we're lucky to work on so many all the time. And the brands we work with are super diverse. You know, currently in my inbox, I'm working on a Nike campaign. I'm also working with sorbent toilet paper. And that is the spectrum. And no one is better than the other. And some are more sexy than the other. But I think, yeah, as long as we're really nailing that brand objective, that is success. We have had talent where they've promoted a product and it is sold out straight away. Um, And we do have certain talent, we call them unicorn status, where their influence is just insane and people will buy whatever they say and they'll follow everything that they do. Um, Even for unpaid stuff, like, you know, with Flex Mummy, she can, she kind of started that whole viral foam mirror trend last year in lockdown and everybody made it and had it hanging in their, you know, in their houses. So... I think that a successful campaign can be where we see products sell out. It can be where we see our talent on a TV commercial or on a billboard, or it can just be seeing great content go live in an Instagram feed. It's funny when you were talking about unicorn talent, I was thinking about how Flex has made Crocs cool again. (laughs) Were they ever cool to start with? She's made them cool. Yes. Oh my gosh. I know. And I'm like, do I need to buy Crocs now? (laughs) I know, I know, they're back in. I, I don't know why I'm saying they're back in. I don't think they were in. They're cooler now. They're in now. Yeah, they're cool now. Exactly. She's definitely helped shape that. It's so funny because even though we're, you know, in it and we see what's happening and we know we're being marketed to, I still am a sucker for it. It's effective marketing. And, you know, I worked in the Model Co campaign for their new skincare launch and then I went and bought some. So it's, it really is just so effective, even when you're so aware that you're being marketed to. I know. It's like we know that it's happening, but we're still impacted by it. So it clearly works. Yeah, exactly. If we're falling for it. <laughs> and have talent's scope of works really changed, you know, with TikTok and now Reels being really that hero content? Yeah, absolutely. I think even, you know, Instagram coming out and saying that they're no longer a photo sharing app, they really are now pushing and they're rewarding reels and video content 
in the algorithm as well. So again, that evolution, when I started day management, Instagram just had photos, you know, stories weren't even around yet. So already in the last six years, there's been so many evolutions and we're just seeing the reach on reels is sensational. You know, talent that have 25,000 followers are getting 200,000 views. So that's really been an amazing iteration of the content they're producing because the results there are just, you know, beyond what we could usually deliver on a static post. Um, And then I think as well, consumers are wanting to see that video content. It's again, the one step removed from the beautiful curated photo and it is kind of more real. So I think that's gonna be what's happening right now. And I'm sure there's gonna be something next that'll shake it up all over again in about 12 months time. But yeah, I think it's great to see how Instagram are kind of challenging TikTok as well. Yeah, it's always so interesting when like a new platform comes out as well. And it just seems so foreign. Like either now I don't really know how to post on TikTok I love it. I'm addicted to it, but I don't really understand it whatsoever. No, and I I don't have an account, but you can still go in the for you page and look at it. I oh, I think also I'm 30 now. It's I'm not the demographic for that. So <laughs> I look at the funny videos and I like when people reshare the videos on Instagram for me. <laughs> Doing all the hard work finding them, but yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. Even, you know, Netflix were coming out and saying that that's their biggest competitor because you can't dual screen. You can't watch Netflix and watch TikTok, whether you can be on Instagram and still be watching Netflix. So it's, um, yeah, an absolute changing the game of how we're consuming content. It really is. I love that point because I am always pausing Netflix for like a little TikTok break. I've never thought of it like that. And where do you see the industry going in terms of influencers and talent? Do you think that the importance on them will just continue to grow or do you think it's all about being authentic now? Yeah, I think we're going to continue to see a real breakaway for influencers and talent who are using their platform for good and people that have a great backstory and have an amazing personality and aren't just producing pretty content. I think gone are the days that you could just have a beautiful feed and no voice, um, which is a great thing. I think it's a real positive that communities and audiences are rewarding that. And so they're allowing people to build a more authentic connection with their audience by being vulnerable and, yeah, standing for something. And I think that's really going to be the future of influencers. And it's going to be that separation from the tastemakers to that kind of copycat content as well because that is, you know, the root of authenticity is being yourself and sharing your voice and your platform. So I think it's a real positive that we're going to see more diversity, more inclusion and, yeah, people with really interesting backstories and almost like the anti-influencers, you know, people that aren't just posing in an outfit or in a bikini looking super hot. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think that audiences, they don't care for that anymore. So I think the future is definitely going to be, yeah, the anti-influencer. That makes me think of one of your talent, Tully, who's posted a lot around, you know, pro-vaccinations. And there's been a lot of press around this kind of rise of the pro-vaccine influencers. And it's really shown the influencers who are willing to put their voice towards issues and topics that can be quite divisive, but they know what they believe in and what's right. 
And then in that same vein, you can really see the people that are too scared to say anything. Absolutely. And I think as well, like, especially in Tully's case, she's like, I have an audience of over 200,000 people. I can't not comment on this. And so I think she really sees that as a privilege to have a platform and she wants to use it for good. And that's something that we're really passionate about at Day Management as well. You know, it has to be social change for good and promotion for good. And I think that by having really diverse talent that can see these amazing inclusive campaigns come to life, there's an amazing social change happening in our industry as well. And yeah, I've been loving all the Provax influences coming out because it does take a lot of bravery because there are a lot of death threats out there and awful trolling that goes on. So yeah, I think it's a really nice indication that it is also being rewarded. Yeah, definitely. And I think it just makes their, I guess, the audience and engagement even stronger because people align with their values as well. So I, I do think it is such a welcome change in the industry. Absolutely. And in terms of your process of scouting talent, what is your screening process and, and what makes talent stand out for you and make you go, I need to sign them? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, again, we kind of have eyes and ears everywhere. So we're always watching, we're looking on TikTok, we're looking on Instagram. We are looking for people with that really unique story and a reason why they have a platform, why they have an audience. I think as well, like everyone is a little bit time poor. So why am I going to follow you and look at your stories? So we're always kind of looking for someone that can answer that question for us. And again, kind of being more than an Instagram post, almost sitting in that anti-influencer space of they're doing something fresh and different and it's not just the same content. So when we see people that are really raising the bar or shaking up the status quo, that's when we're like, oh my goodness, we need to work with this person. Do you have any advice for someone who wants to become talent? Yeah, I mean, I think it's great in the sense that there's still so much room for new talent to come in. Like there's no barriers of entry. There's no time lost. I think that, you know, we've worked with Ash Paraskevis. We signed her last year and she had 15,000 followers and she's now sitting at 65,000 and we've got her magazine covers and ambassador deals. You know, things can happen quickly and out of nowhere. So with, you know, consistency, great content and using your platform to share your voice, it's, yeah, the best way to build an audience. In that same sense, do you have any advice for someone wanting to be a talent manager? So my advice for someone wanting to be a talent manager, I think, is just to really foster the relationships around you. So, you know, ensuring that you have the connections to the talent, but also have great connections to the agencies and the brand sides as well. I think our role is to kind of be that seamless connection between the two. So yeah, definitely having an eye for who the next talent's going to be and making sure you know what's cool or what's about to be cool and being able to pick that and, you know, jump on those people before they are mainstream. But also, yeah, ensuring that you're not too focused on one side and have a nice balance between the clients and the agencies and your talent. From there, I would love to know as a talent manager, what your preferred way is to work with a publicist? I think collaboratively. Yeah, I really feel like gone are the days where we'd get a brief and then say, do this or get out. (laughs) Thank goodness. I think it's a lot more collaborative now. So we get to really 
you know, workshop the style of content that's going to work well for that talent and perform the best because we have that insight while still adhering to the brief that we get from your end. So, yeah, I feel like it's a real luxury to get to work with such awesome people who understand that. And, yeah, that collaborative process just makes the whole thing so much easier. And do you have any PR pet hates? No, what do you mean? <laughs> I mean, oh, look, probably just approval times. I feel like sometimes we get a, a product one day and they say, give us content in 24 hours, and then they might take three weeks to approve it. But you know what I mean? Again, we're at the mercy of our clients sometimes, and we understand it has to go through a few hoops and legal and all that jazz. So that's my only pet peeve. Do you have any advice on how publicists can best build relationships with a talent manager such as yourself? Yeah, I think just pick up the phone. Um, I love hearing from people who've just started agencies or they've just got a new client. They want to get some more background information on our talent and how it might fit. Um, Yeah, just having those conversations. I think, you know, we have a real wealth of knowledge about our talent, like I was saying before. So we love that kind of chat and we want to be used as a resource for you guys. Um, you know, recently we did a nice big like lunch and learn with a Melbourne PR agency where we kind of presented our agency, our talent, um, the type of campaigns we can do. And yeah, that was super useful because we got to have, you know, FaceTime with the PRs, but also get a deeper understanding about what we're doing on this side. So yeah, give me a call. I love it. There you have it. You're going to have so many calls after this. Your phone will be ringing. One thing I wanted to ask is the ad requirements for influencers is constantly changing. So what is your understanding of the ad requirements for an influencer post? Yeah, well, I am part of AIMCO, which is the Australian Influencer Marketing Council. And we started AIMCO back in 2019, which feels like It was last year, but it wasn't. (laughs) And basically we get to set the best practice. And that resource has been so helpful to give to PR agencies, to give to influencers and explain what people should be doing. So that kind of code of ethics and best practice has been set up looking at the industry in the UK, in the US and court cases here as well from the ANAA. So basically ad disclosure is mandatory, um, especially when doing paid work, it's, it's mandatory. And I think that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't take away from a collaboration by saying I'm working with this brand and being paid. Um, I think that's a crazy point of view. So just ensuring that we have a consistent method of disclosing the ad that makes sense to the consumer. So in the AIMCO guideline, that's hashtag ad. Um, we found that hashtag spawn could be misconstrued, but you can do hashtag sponsored. So just ensuring that we're disclosing it, either using the platform's tools to say paid partnership or having those hashtags or words in there. Um, And then, you know, there's different guidelines around gifting as well. And if you have a relationship with a brand, so I'd really recommend everyone to go into the AIMCO website and check it out because it's a great resource to also give, you know, your clients, if they're not sure what they should be doing, Um, But it's a nice blanket rule that hopefully we can all use and then we'll all be doing the right thing with ad disclosures. 
Thanks for that. I will definitely link that to in the show notes because I think that's such an important resource. And I feel like maybe more recently in the past six months, there's been a little bit of like coverage around influencers being pulled up because they haven't disclosed that a post is uh, paid or sponsored. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a bit of like a re-education going on as well. And some of these influencers have been doing it for 10 years. So it's all about relearning as opposed to chastising those that don't do it. It's about educating. So that's really what I'm passionate about as well, rather than saying, oh, you did the wrong thing or you didn't do it there and it's a big cancel party. I think instead it's all about saying, okay, well, this is, you know, the best practice to use and you should be disclosing it in these ways. So hopefully it becomes a language that we're all fluent in. Because I think, yeah, a lot of people are just catching up now. Yeah, no, definitely. It's definitely something we talk about as an agency constantly to make sure that we're checking those boxes. Yeah, and there are so many legal requirements outside of disclosing the paid partnership. And, you know, that sometimes comes from the brand direction. If we're working with alcohol, you have to be over 25. If you're working with confectionery, you can't have a child in an image without an adult present. There are all these different regulations that we're trying to you know navigate at the same time um but it, yeah it does become kind of a language that you're fluent in so we're hoping that in every single brief it says and you have to include hashtag ad so that even the influencers that don't have talent managers that are part of AMCO know what to do Yes, definitely. Now, to end, I have had, firstly, such a great time chatting to you and it's been really insightful to see what the talent management industry is really like and where we see it going. So thank you. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me. I could stay all day. I know. And to end, I have a few quick fire questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hit me. Let's do it. Okay, email or phone call? I'm going to say email just for speed, but I love both. (laughs) Coffee or wine? Coffee. I've actually stopped drinking this lockdown. Oh, go you. Digital or traditional print broadcast media? I'm going to have to say digital, but I'm very biased. (laughs) I thought you would say that. And then Instagram, Facebook or TikTok? Instagram is still my number one. I still spend all my time on there. I love it. It curates it for me. I'm a big fan of the algorithm. Thank you. Thank you for those insights. And thank you so much for joining me, Jen. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to The Press Office with Kate and Co. PR. Please subscribe, rate and review via your favourite podcast app. And please give us a follow, like and share on Instagram at Kate Co. PR.